last May, I contacted a service provider to provide television reception, television channels for our home. They're running a great deal, and I thought this is going to be really good. So I called them, and I and I said, "Now here, here's the issue. I, I want your deal, but we have our house up for sale, and we could be moving in a month, three months, four months, depending on when we get a buyer. And what's your policy with that?" And, he, and, and the guy said, "Well, if you move within a year, then we're going to charge you an installation fee. Right now, it'll be free, but then if you move, it'll be there'll be an installation fee." And I said, "Well, then I'll just wait until we move, so I don't get charged again." He said, "No, no, 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 no. I'll tell you what. We'll work it out. We'll waive that fee." I said, "Great." Well, we have sold our house. We're moving into another location. And so I called the service provider on Monday. I got somebody that didn't live in the United States. And so we were talking, and I said, here's the deal. And then she, and she said, well, i got good news for you. It's normally $500 to move you, but we'll do it for $199. I said, oh, no, you won't. And I told her the whole story, and she said, well, let me look on your account. And she said, there's no notes there, so we will charge you $199. I said, well, no, you won't. And so I could tell she was reading a script because she kept going back saying the same thing over again. I said, no, wait, 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 wait. You guys promised me this. Your salesperson lied to me, so I get it for $199. She said, no, sir, we can't do that. She said, but I'll tell you what we will do. We will look and see who the person is who sold this to you, and we'll fire them. I said, no, no, no. And even if you do it, it doesn't solve my problem. I still got to pay $1.99. I'm not going to pay this. So we went for like 10, 15 minutes. Finally, I said, now look, I need to talk to your supervisor. And then she argued with me for about five minutes about the fact that the supervisor would tell me the same thing. So you shouldn't really need to talk to the supervisor. I said, I want to talk to your supervisor. Let me talk to your supervisor. I really need to talk to your supervisor. I want to talk to your supervisor. Let me talk to your supervisor. Get off your script. I want to talk to your supervisor. She said, just one moment. So the supervisor comes on, and he repeats the same thing. And he re even to the degree he said, we'll find out who it is, and we'll fire him. I said, no, don't fire him. Just don't charge me the 199 And he went through the whole thing, told me the same stuff. And I said, OK, I need to talk to your supervisor. He said, what? I said, I need to talk to your supervisor. Well, they'll tell you the same thing. I want your supervisor. I said, well. It's 9 o'clock at night here, and there is no supervisor. They're all gone. I said, well, where are you? He said, we're in the Philippines. I said, well, when will you have someone I can talk to? 9 o'clock Eastern time. So I waited a day, because I was worn out by that point. And I called, and I got someone who speaks perfect English. And I said, look on your, my account. You'll find the notes of my previous conversations, because I didn't want to run through all that again. And she said, yes, I'm the person who will make your final decision. I said, okay, so here's the deal. And the guy lied to me. And she said, sir, it'll be $199. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. So we went through this whole thing. And then she offered to fire the guy. Yeah. I said, no, I just one, I don't want to pay this. I, it's, it's not right. And she said, well, sir, it's in the computer that way. It's the only way we can do that. I said, wait, wait, wait. Does your customer service control the computer? Does the, the computer control your customer service? She said, obviously, the computer controls customer service. I said, you got to be kidding said, I want to talk to your supervisor. She said, I'm the last person you need to talk to. I make the final decision. I said, I want to talk to your supervisor. I make the final decision. Do you have someone that you're accountable to? Yes. I want to talk to that person. Just a moment. She came back. She said, she's on another line at the moment. And when she gets off with the other customer, she'll talk to you. So what's your number? We'll call you back. 
I said, really? You're going to call me back? She's really going to call? I promise you, we'll call you back. I said, I'm not sure. Oh, we'll call you back. She didn't call me back. By that point, I felt so harassed. I, I, I felt like I had just come to a dead end. And some of you sitting here today feel like life's been doing that to you. You feel the harassment. You feel like you can't go much further. You feel like there, there, there's just no place else for you to go. This morning, I want to leave you with three pieces that need to be in our lives to help us move the immovable. And it starts with this. Authority is needed to break the status quo. So the lady tells me that the computer runs customer service. I don't get a phone call back. I know that I'm just going to be lost now because I'm just, I'm just in somebody's file someplace. So I decide I'm going to go online and try to find a headquarters in the United States. I find this, this website, and I find a long list of people who are complaining about the customer service of the service provider and how they don't get calls back. I thought, oh, great. And, and they don't even get their money back. And it's just this long listing. And I'm saying, God, you got to help me because I, I need to go to the right person. And I did. I prayed over this. I said, please show me because I'm not going to pay the 199 And if I cancel, then they're going to charge me 200 and something for early cancellation. So I was reading through the complaints saying, yes, yes, I understand, I understand. And I got to a spot where there was a phone number for a headquarters in the United States. So I took the phone number and I said, I'm going to call these people. And I thought, when I call them, the receptionist is going to say to me, what can I do for you? I'll tell her and she'll put me back in customer service. And I'll end up back in that cul-de-sac of frustration. So I went online and Googled officers for, and I wrote the corporation down. And I found a list of the CEO president and a vice president in charge of human resources and a bunch of people. And I thought, who would I, whose office could I talk to? Maybe they'd get me through. So I found the guy of human resources. And so I decided I'd call and ask for his office. So I called, and I'm not going to tell you his name because I don't want you to know who it is, but unless you pay me, I'll tell you. <laughs> so we'll just call him Mr. I am authority. And so I called, and the receptionist answered in the international headquarters of this company. She said, what may I do for you? What can I do for you? I said, I'd like to speak to Mr. I am authority. She said, just a moment. The phone rings, and I'm getting ready to tell his assistant what the issue is. And a voice answers. It's a male voice that says, hi, this is Mr. I am authority. Somehow, I got the vice president of the company. You just don't happen. So I said, I am so sorry to call you. This is not something you have to deal with. And I went through the whole thing, and he said, I got somebody who can fix that for you. They will call you back. My heart went, uh-oh, call me back. <laughs> that afternoon, Veronica from Texas called me. She said, what's happening? I told her, she said, we got it covered. We will not charge you. And here's my personal number. If you run into any other issues, call me. We'll take care of it. Now, see, we had three people previous who were stuck in their legalism, stuck in their status quo, could not budge from it. And so often within the life we live, we get stuck and think there's just no other alternatives, and what is needed is an authority. This is how Jesus viewed life. 
Matthew records this in Matthew 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a man trying to get his TV stuff taken care of, like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. There is in this moment an extreme deep expression coming from Jesus. The word is compassion. The Greek word is a fun word to say. It's splongizomai. Say that with me, splongizomai. It actually means the guts. From deep, 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 deep down inside of Jesus, he is moved because he saw this mass of people as harassed. The word means bullied. They were harassed and helpless. That word means to try to escape, but you can't. Try to be rescued, you can't, because you don't have the resources to get there. He said, I've seen these as sheep without a shepherd. They are this vast mass of confused people milling around, not knowing what the next step should be. And they need someone to show up and say, hey, hey, enough's enough. I'll lead you out of here. And Jesus arrives and he says, kingdom of heaven is here now. Right in the middle of your mess, it's here now, and I will guide you out. And he begins to display the power of God and begins to heal people. And they go, this is real. This is good. Then Jesus turns to his disciples and he said, see all these people? There's a whole lot more of them that need to be rescued. But we need a whole lot more of people like me who have the authority to lead them out. Ask the Lord of the harvest to provide that. And evidently they prayed it because this is what happened next. Matthew says this. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. He said, I give you jurisdiction. I give you the authority to walk into a tough place and say the kingdom of heaven now here, the way that God wants it to be done. Because you see, when they prayed that prayer, Lord, send out harvesters, it was more than just an urgent request. It was the entree into a movement for them. So Jesus dies, rises again, proving once again his authority. And he says, now that I've done that, we're not done yet. Because you remember what you did when I sent you out? That's not the last time you're going to do that. And then he makes this promise. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There have been a few times that I've been a witness in a courtroom. They ask me to tell them what I know and what I've seen firsthand. My job as a witness is to give evidence for the case. So did Jesus really die and rise again? Where's the evidence for the case? Is Jesus really Lord of all powers and authorities? Where's the evidence for the case? 
Does Jesus really have compassion to forgive people? Where's the evidence for the case? Does Jesus really use his power to heal people and set them free from addiction? Where's the evidence for the case? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be the evidence for the case. You will be the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I I encourage you to to go back and find the podcast for the previous sermons that will fill in some of this for you, some previous conversations we've had. You will be the evidence for the case that you will show up into those circumstances and say, I have jurisdiction here in Jesus' behalf. I've come on his behalf to do something for him here. Authority is needed to break the status quo. It's ours. In addition to that, ability is needed to break the resistance. Somebody had to know how to do it differently. Somebody had to break them free from their bondage. Do we like the way that life is right now, and does it always have to be that way? How do we get heaven to invade earth? The answer may amaze us. Luke, a follower of Jesus, writing about what the Holy Spirit does when he comes into the lives of people who say, I'm available, records this as he begins his letter. Acts, the first chapter, the first verse. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do, circle that, and teach, circle that, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. We've already looked at the fact that he said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit who's going to give you power to do what? The very thing that Jesus did. To teach and to do. See, he gives us power to teach, the ability to do that. You say, whoa, 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 I'm not a teacher. I'm not that smart or I don't want to study like that. I I, I just can't get in front of people. I will pass out if you put me in front of people. In fact, they say that one of the greatest fears is is the fear of, of public speaking. I can't do that. It's not what Jesus is talking about. Paul the Apostle, in writing to his, the church in Corinth, said, you know, when I came to you, I did not come with wise and, per, wise and persuasive speech. I didn't come to you with high intellect and with this, this ability to, to persuade you. I came only in the demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man, the way that it was communicated, because if it's communicated and that persuades you, then someone else will communicate and persuade you otherwise. But I came that your faith may rest on the power of God, because that doesn't change. So what I want to say to us is this. If we are witnesses of Jesus, of what he has done, then we have a story to tell. How Jesus affected you. That story needs to be told. And the story of what Jesus did, that story needs to be told. You know that story. It can be as simple as a blind man saying, all I know is I met Jesus, once I was blind, now I see. That was his story. Paul the Apostle goes into a much longer story. So your story may be short, your story may be long, your story may be full of detail, your story may be, I just don't know what happened, but I met Jesus. But here's the deal about the story. It comes prepackaged with power. It is not you, it is the power of the message that is already prepackaged by the power of the Holy Spirit that when you say to somebody, this is the story, this is what happened, the power of God already begins to infiltrate. 
That's why you have the power to teach. Kara was a high school sophomore. And she had this really close friend, and her friend said, why do you go to the church you do, and what do you do? And so she started just telling the story. And the story just began to infiltrate the life of her friend. And her friend finally said, I, I, I think I want to just walk with you on, on what you're doing. And so she joined the journey. It made such a powerful impact that Kara's friend was sitting with her at dinner with Kara's family. He invited her over, and they were just having a meal, and they were just talking, just family talking, joking, laughing, and, and suddenly Kara's friend puts her fork down and looks at Kara and said, oh. she had this gasp. She said, oh. what if you had never told me about Jesus? Because the power was so great trans transforming her that she realized the loss that she would have had if Kara hadn't just told the story. You have the power to teach. Just tell your story. Paul the Apostle, in writing to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, says that Jesus will put you with the right people so you can tell your story. And God will work the results so you don't have to have results. It's up to God. And the Holy Spirit will confirm your story of what Jesus is doing in you with very special abilities. And I want to look at those abilities for just a few moments. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he said, these abilities will be yours. You will have the ability to clarify. I once attended a church potluck. Everybody, anybody been to a church potluck? I just don't like a meal that has the word luck in it. <laughs> so I, I was a guest. And my host said, we got a potluck dinner, and so we need to go to this thing. So we went, and he said, now, I'll be your guide. So he walked us through, and he said, okay, don't eat that. <laughs> he said it quietly. He said, you got to try this. That, I don't even know what that is. And, oh, you've got to try her lemon meringue pie. You've got to have that. He guided us through. See, here's the issue. You have so many voices and options talking to you right now. What do you know is real? How do you know that? The Holy Spirit said, I'm going to give you clarification. I'm going to walk you through life and say, don't even touch that. And that, oh, that's good. you got to try that. So he said, here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you, and understand that the Holy Spirit gives these to whom he desires, when he desires. So it could be that there's going to be this moment that you have the discerning of spirits. That is the ability to detect the true source of a circumstance or a motive. You're going to be able to tell, is this thing happening from God or is this thing from a different spirit or just from a human motivation? You're going to know that. There are times that, that, that as Pam and I have been married, and she'll say to me, ooh, don't trust that person. I say, why? She goes, ooh, my antenna's up. It's there. I know. It's more than woman's intuition. It's just, I know. I know. Don't. Don't, don't go there. There are times when our children were growing up, we would have them over with their friends and, and or their friends over, and, and we would say to each other, ooh, that person there. And we'd, we'd begin to pray that God would protect our child because we felt there was something wrong there. And even, Lord, break up the relationship because it's not right. I was in a worship gathering like this, and, and 
in the back, Janice was, was seated, and suddenly she got up, and she walked over and sat down next to a woman who had just come in. And she sat next to her, and we and just did not move the whole gathering, then said some things to her before the woman left. And we said, Janice, what are you doing? Did you know that lady? She said, no. But the moment she walked in, inside of me, the Holy Spirit said, this woman's a witch, and she's come to disturb so she said, I went and sat, and I prayed in the Holy Spirit over her that heaven would contain what earth was trying to do. And, I, and she said later, she talked to the woman, and the woman is a witch. And she talked to her about Jesus. God loves you so much that he gave you the Holy Spirit to help you discern what's happening in the life of your family, what's happening at work, in the dealings you have with businesses. He's going to show you and give you the ability to discern what's going on because it will reflect his power. At times, he will give you a word of knowledge. Knowledge is the supernatural insight or information not naturally known. They're just facts that come to you. You don't know these things. My aunt was using this ability, and, and one time, and I've told you parts of the story, because of some misunderstanding, I got fired from a job. Gave me time to, to find a new place, but I got fired. And nobody really knew this except my mom and dad and a couple other people because you usually don't walk around going, hey, I got fired. It's a great thing. Call everybody. Put it on Facebook. I got fired. So my aunt calls and she said, hey, I think I have a word for you from God. Now, that is code for God told her something. And she said, God told me that a season in your life just ended. Yeah. And a new season is beginning. Yeah. And what God wants you to know in addition is that you should not become embittered with the person who made this happen because God has control. When she told me that, I said, oh, God, you have just released me. Thank you that your power is working. I've, I've watched my dad counsel people, and in the middle of a counseling, he'll turn to the person and he'll say, you know, this happened to you, and to tell them something, and the person goes, no one knows that. How did you know that? God tells. We should tell our kids, whatever you do wrong, God's going to tell us. <laughs> and he would. Along with knowledge, God will also provide at times wisdom, which is a revealed direction for a situation. If you got the facts, you want to know what to do with the facts. I have a friend who is very wealthy, but he's not always been wealthy. He's one of the most generous people I know, and you say, well, of course he is. He's wealthy. Well, no, before he was wealthy, he was still generous. Before he was wealthy and just trying to make ends meet, he said to the Holy Spirit, I'm available, whatever you want, and the Holy Spirit used him to rescue people and many times would give his resources away to help rescue people from their situations. He still does that today, but has a greater base of wealth to work from. While he was working for an organic fertilizer company, he felt that the wisdom was coming to him saying, you know, you could actually run this business better. You should try to buy this. And he felt like God was telling him to buy it. He didn't know how he was going to do it, but somehow he scraped the money together and worked out a deal with great wisdom, and he bought the organic company. He took over, and now the business has just gone international. 
And so I was sitting with him. I said, man, that's just amazing. I said, how do you know what to do? How do you know what products to create? I said, are you a chemist? No. Did you study this stuff at college? No, I didn't go to college. Well, how do you know to do this stuff? He said, well, I know God told me that I should buy this business, so I'm the one who makes the formulas for the organic fertilizer. So what I do is I just say, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom, show me what. And he says, God shows me what to put together, and it just makes sense. And my secret formulas are given to me by the Holy Spirit. Because he said, otherwise, I wouldn't know how to do it. I want to tell you that God's Spirit says, I will give you wisdom for the issues that you face. I will clarify for you what seems to be foggy at this moment. He said, I'll also give you ability to exhort. That means to encourage. And we all need people to tell us that we're on the right track and that God has control. And so sometimes he'll use the word of prophecy. He'll give you a prophetic word. You say, oh, does that stuff really happen when you you speak forth for God? Yeah, in fact, Paul the Apostle said, do not hold in contempt those words of prophecy. Understand that, that they are from God. But he also says this in his teaching, do not accept everything that starts with behold the Lord says as the truth. You test it all. Because understand that all these abilities I'm talking about today should be tested and grown in the community. They're not your private toys. So Paul said, when there's a prophetic word, the community should say, yeah, yeah, that was. That was from God. And then you need to understand, well, how does God, how does God want it interpreted? And then in the interpretation, how should it be applied? And finally, does it line up with the Holy Scriptures? Because if it ever goes counter to the Holy Scriptures, it's not from God. So I just want to say to you, if someone walks up to you and says, Behold, the Lord says, test it. There's nothing wrong with that. We, in the Pentecostal circles, the charismatic circles, there's been this, this sense of it starts with, Behold, the Lord said, Whoa, it's got to be right. No. I had a person walk up to me in this church years ago and say to me, The Lord is telling me that you need to go to this retreat. Behold, the Lord said. I got with Pam and said, I have no inkling to go there. And we prayed, and God never said for me to go to the retreat. It was their own personal desire. But God will give you that ability. Along with the prophetic word will come at times speaking in tongues and interpretation. I won't spend a whole lot of time on that, only to tell you that that is real and it should be treated the same as a prophetic word. In a gathering like this, when there's a breaking out in tongues, which is a language that you not naturally have acquired, and in the scriptures it can either be a language that is known on earth or it can be a heavenly language, that when it's given there should be an interpretation so the whole body can be edified. There's also, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 14, the grace of tongues, which is where Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all, where he communicates with God. It goes beyond his mind from his spirit to God's. And it's real. Pam and I were part of a staff in Sacramento, California, and it was a morning like this, and there was a tongue given, and then followed by an interpretation. So when a tongue is given, and I'm going to ask Kat, who's doing the interpreting for the deaf, what is the sign for tongues? Stand up and do that. There you go. That's for tongues. Okay? So... The interpreter that morning gave the sign that there's tongues. An interpretation started over here. Later we found out from the interpreter that 
while this person over here was giving the interpretation, the person who was deaf over here that did not hear the tongue in their physical realm, but in their spiritual realm, began to give the interpretation to the interpreter, signing the interpretation, and it was identical to what was being given over here. Phenomenal. And God was saying, I want you to know that I give these giftings to everybody. Some of you are looking at me like, are you for real? Yes, I am. Pam, am I for real? Thank you. In addition to those abilities to exhort, there are the abilities to alter a natural course. He said, some of you will have the gift of faith, and this is divinely imprinted trust in God and His guidance. It's the ability to look past the circumstances and say, I see what God's doing. They just have this faith to go, I know what God's doing, we're okay. My, my grandmother had that ability. She was the first one in the family to put her faith in Jesus, and with 10 kids and an alcoholic father, it was a real trip for her. And, but God promised her, and she had this faith that all of them would come to know Jesus and that her husband would find Jesus and his alcoholism would be gone. She watched it happen, and she would tell people, I'm just gonna, it's going to happen. When my Uncle Robbie was shot down and became a prisoner of war in Vietnam, God promised her from the very moment that, they be, that he was shot down that he would return alive. And so she always said that. She would, I'd go visit her eventually when she was in a nursing home. She would say, Robbie's coming home. Now, she died before she saw it, but she saw it in her, in her, in her mind, in her spirit. There are those abilities to, to see things that, that normally should not be seen, but you have this impression from God. There is then the gifts of healing, where the body is mended supernaturally. Jesus said, you shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You say, is that for real? Pastor Jason, come on up here. Is that for real? Tell us what happened with the youth. <clears throat> yeah, it's very real. Um, we've been in this series uh, talking about evangelism. And uh, I talked to the students two weeks prior to, and I said part of the tools of sharing your faith in Jesus is prophecy and hearing the voice of God and then also praying, having divine healing and praying for the sick. And I said, these are two doors that will open for people to want to know about Christ. So <clears throat> that night we had him come forward and we said, if you want to do this, come forward, we're going to lay hands on you and we're going to send you out. So we sent him out and a week goes by. So last, well, this past Wednesday, um, I asked students, I said, how many of you are hearing from God? And so all these kids like raised their hands and I said, now, now here comes the real one. I said, how many of you actually took time to pray for somebody who was sick this week that needed healing? And all these hands go up. So I started asking, I said, does anybody have a story? So this one little girl, she says, yeah, I, I, I got a story. I said, well, what happened? She says, well, my dad has been on crutches for a week or two because he has a really bad knee and he can't walk on it. She says, it's been swollen really bad. She said, so I went home and I did what you said. And so I just asked my dad, can I pray for you? And I laid hands on his knees and I prayed for his knees. He's not on crutches and his swelling went down immediately. He's walking on his, on his legs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so then I said, does anybody else have a story? And these two girls in the back, they raised their hands and said, I have a story. So I said, all right, what's your story? She goes, well, we were on the bus today. We were on the bus the other day and 
this girl got on and she got on with crutches and she had no shoe on her foot. Her foot was all swollen because she had sprained it really bad. And so we're sitting there arguing back and forth. Should we pray for the girl or shouldn't we? And one girl goes, well, Pastor Jason said we got to pray for people to be healed. <laughs> so she asks the girl and says, can I pray for you to be healed? And she goes, pray for me, I guess. You know, what's that going to do? So right on the bus, they lay hands on this girl and they pray for her. The girl gets to school and a couple hours later, the girl has no crutches. She's wearing a shoe. The swelling's gone. She's walking through the halls. Now, I'll leave you with one more. And as the kids were giving these stories, it just started to progress. Uh, because I have so many more I could share, but I'm going to share this one with you. There's this guy right in the front row. And um, I'm just going to be honest with you. The, the guy's a total goofball. <laughs> I mean, he just always goofs off. Like, even when I'm preaching, like, I wonder if he's paying attention to me. Well, he's paying attention. So he raises his hand. And he says, I, I have a story, Pastor Jason. So I'm thinking, all right, yeah, some story. So I put the microphone in my chest, and I'm like, all right, what's your story? And he looks at me, and he says, several weeks ago, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so I went home, and I prayed for her. And two days later, she went to the doctors and had a scan done, and she's cancer-free. So just put your notes down because I'm not going to finish those because we're at this point. I honestly believe that God has been speaking to us as leadership and even perhaps you. That there is now this moment that gives him pleasure. Where he is looking for anybody willing to say, I'm available to the Holy Spirit. And these abilities are going to start happening in your life. You don't have to be fearful. He's not going to make you do something weird that you're not ready for. He's not going to force you to, to do something against your will. You're not going to be fanatical. You're not, you're not, he's not going to make you bark like a dog or stand up in the lunchroom and go, yabba-dabba-doo. He's going to work through your personality. But he's going to stretch us. He's going to say, okay, here, you ready? I'm going to use you here. And he's waiting for those people to do that because that will be assigned to someone. Here's a witness. And heaven and earth do intersect where the temple of the Holy Spirit resides. So what I want to do this morning is this. I, I want us to make a declaration that we individually and corporately are now available to the Holy Spirit to be used in these giftings. You go, man, that's scary. It is. It's because you don't have control of what God's going to ask you to do. But most of the time when there's been something incredibly miraculous is because the person didn't have control of what God's going to do. So will you stand? And I'm just going to ask you to take a posture of receiving and surrender, which I say is the raising of the hands. And I'm going to invite you right now to join with me, if this is what you want to do, and just say, Holy Spirit, I'm available. Use me in any of these abilities, and I'll be aware this week of what you're asking me to do. So if that's you, just raise your hands. So, Father, here we are. You've given us your Holy Spirit. 
an incredible gift. And I will be the first to confess that I have not put myself in a place where I'm so totally dependent on the Holy Spirit that people will look at me and just say, he's nothing without the Spirit. So we put ourselves in that place now that you will move so deeply in our lives that we will be available and people will look at it and say, that's not them, it's got to be God's Spirit. So guide us now. Thank you, the Holy Spirit. You are a gentleman. You will not violate our will, but we yield our will to you now. Fill us full of your Holy Spirit. Today, as we leave this place, give us opportunity to hear your voice and to respond. And we give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, two things. Number one, as you're beginning to understand these things and God begins to use you and you think, man, did I do right? The body of Christ is a community to help each other understand these gifts. So there are times that, that someone will come off this platform and give a prophetic word and they'll walk out to me and say, was that right? Was that? Because we, we need to have that encouragement with each other. Are we, are we on the right track? So we talk to each other. So this is not, again, your isolated thing you do by yourself. So when you're moving in those directions, concur with one another and say, here's what I'm feeling. What do you think? Secondly, if you're, if you're sick, you have something happening in your body that you need healing, right where you are, raise your hand. Just keep it up. I believe God wants to heal people, and so right now I'm going to ask you, because here's said, these signs shall follow them who believe. If you're by somebody whose hand is raised, go to them and put a hand on them right now. We're going to pray for healing before we leave this place. Now, I'm going to pray, but I want you to pray. And if you're not close to somebody, you can still pray and just look their direction. Father, we cannot fabricate this. And our hearts go out to many who are struggling with, with nagging illness and life-threatening illness. And you care. So we just ask you, please those that are touching, those who are, who are, whose hands have been raised, give them now the gifting of, giftings of healing right now. So laying hands on them, let the power of Jesus flow through them. Let the sickness be gone. Let the cancer cells be gone. Let the heart be mended. Let the ligaments come together. Let the organs in the body function the way they're supposed to be. Let the blood pressure go down. Simply because you are who you are, and we are your church, and you told us to be witnesses, and you said, I give you the ability. Let it happen now, in the name of Jesus. In that name we pray. Amen. Now do me a favor. As God is healing you, contact the office and let us know. They will build our faith. So God bless you. May you go now in the power of the Holy Spirit and change the world around you. Have a great day.